from the capital city of Charleston, West Virginia, this is Inside West Virginia Politics with Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Well, happy weekend, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Inside West Virginia Politics. I'm your host, Mark Curtis. We're going to have a fascinating show today. I want to introduce recently retired Judge Will Thompson from Boone County. Mm -hmm. Great to have you on the program. Great to be here. Uh, we're going to talk about your years as a judge and some of the very innovative things you did, but you're here for one reason, first reason, you have been nominated to be the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia. Talk about that for a moment. I'm very excited about the nomination, uh, and I look forward to the confirmation process. It's not something I was necessarily anticipating in my career, but I'm very excited about it. Well, congratulations, and, and we can't talk much more about it because this is in the U.S. Senate, the right. Judiciary Committee, the nomination process. They do a lot of vetting, background checks. Uh, they, they're gonna I've been doing that all summer, but yes, yeah. there's going to be more. You're going you're gonna to get uh, a good look over, and then probably a vote sometime this fall, we hope, for you, uh -huh. and, and, yes. and we anticipate you will be confirmed. And let me just invite you back. Once you are U.S. Certainly, Attorney, we I'll want you to come back, back, and we can drill down and talk about some of the specific things. Uh, you are well-known in this state. You're one of the best-known judges in the state for your involvement in in drug courts and in family treatment courts. Talk about drug courts. First of all, what are they and what do they do? Drug courts, there's really three types of drug courts we have in West Virginia. Uh, the first is what most people think of when they think of drug courts, and it's an adult drug court. And what it is is for people who's involved in the criminal justice system who suffer uh, from addiction. And it's means of treating the addictions uh, and short of not involving incarceration. Uh, we do a lot of um, therapy. We do a lot of community service. Uh, it's basically a system that works on we reward good behavior and we punish bad behavior. It's like behavior modification if you ever took a Psych 101 course. Um, and we've been doing those, uh, I've been doing those since about 2008. Uh, another type of drug court we have in this state is a juvenile drug court. And as it implies, which is for kids who are involved with the juvenile justice system um, and who have not necessarily an addiction, but are prone to suffer from addiction later in life. And it's more of an early intervention type court where we're trying to reach the kids before they do become addicted. And it's based on the same principles. You know, we reward good behavior, we sanction bad behavior. Um, and it's, we've been doing those, I've been doing those since about 2009, 2010. And the one I'm most proud of, because it was uh, something I worked really, really hard to get started in this state, is what's called family treatment courts. And family treatment courts are people who are involved in the court system who are in danger of losing their parental rights to their kids. And most of the, that's called an abuse and neglect case, and most of those people who are in danger of losing their rights suffer from addiction. Um, I've pushed, uh, basically because I was doing the adult and juvenile drug courts, I've been pushing for family treatment courts since about 2010. Uh, Finally, with the help of the Supreme Court and the legislature, uh, it's one of the few times that everybody seems to come together, regardless of politics, uh, we started those in 2019. And in Boone County, we started the first one in the state. And it's the same type of process. We reward good behavior, we sanction bad behavior. Uh, What's the success rate been? I mean, uh, for the family treatment court, that's so new, you may not know, but so the other drug courts that go back b better than a decade yeah. now. Uh, we, there's different ways of measuring success. Uh, we sort of the benchmark for measuring is recidivism rates 
and for the adult drug courts, recidivism rate is about 10% to 12% uh, as compared to somebody who just goes through the regular criminal justice system, goes to prison, which is about a 40 or 50% recidivism rate. And that's why the, you know, they talk about the revolving door of the criminal justice system. In the old days, you'd put people in jail, they'd right. serve their maximum sentence, they'd get no drug treatment, no drug training, no nothing, they'd get out, and they'd become a repeat offender, and they'd come back, cycle through the system, right? They basically would go to prison and their addiction would not be addressed, and they would probably learn more ways to um, abuse drugs. And the minute they got out, when if you talked to them, the first thing they wanted to do was go find a way to get high. And so it was a revolving door. They just kept going back and back. And so they get treatment now? They get a lot of treatment. And then when they get out, they go to AA meetings or recovery? And we have a continuing process. Yes. It's a, um, if you talk to people in addiction or in the recovery community, it's something that's a lifelong process. And we give them the tools. Now, it's not perfect. I mean, there's people who we have who's graduated who have relapsed, who have uh, committed new crimes. Uh, but it's a lot more successful than anything else I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating subject. We're going to keep around for another segment because I want to talk about more about these things. And I want to talk about a specific person who's a very close friend of mm -hmm. yours and mine by the name of Chelsea Carter. She's well known to our viewers because we've profiled her before. But we'll talk about that and more with Judge Will Thompson, the nominee for U.S. Attorney for the Southern District, when we come back. Stay with us on Inside West Virginia Politics. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back this weekend on Inside West Virginia Politics, uh, our good friend, Will Thompson, Judge Will Thompson, uh, who just stepped down from the bench in Boone County last week because he's the nominee for U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of West Virginia. So uh, a busy time ahead for you. Confirmation process uh, is ongoing, and hopefully in a couple of months we'll have uh, some good news for you. I want to talk about somebody who's very special to me and I know special to you. Her name is Chelsea Carter. And uh, our, our viewers, uh, we won an Edward R. Murrow Award for profiling her. Uh, just an amazing story. She got addicted as a teenager. She, I remember t her telling me she stole her grandma's jewelry and sold it for drugs. She wound up in the criminal justice system, went to jail. Then she got clean. She got out, she got clean. She not only got a bachelor's degree, but a master's degree in counseling. And she's now the head of um, uh, better Futures at Boone Memorial Hospital. She's a person who's went from being a drug addict, and of course she's still in recovery, mm -hmm. but she's getting other people clean and sober and back on their feet. It's an amazing story. Plus she got her criminal record expunged. Yeah. Chelsea's just an amazing story. Uh, Chelsea, um, I would call her a poster child for what can happen to people who suffer from addiction. Uh, Chelsea came into my court facing several felony charges. Um, and ended up ultimately pleading guilty to a couple of those. And she was not the first person in our drug court, but she was an early into our drug court. Uh, she went through our drug court. There's a couple hiccups in the beginning, yeah. uh, but at the end, uh, she graduated. Uh, but that's not where Chelsea's story ended, I think, as your viewers are probably well aware. She went on, and not only did she go on and get a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, what I think is incredible, she's came back to the same community uh, where she was taken from because she was suffering from addiction, committing felony crimes and things of that nature. Now she's giving back to her community by helping other people get in recovery. And this is remarkable. She's not the only person I know that's doing this, that went from being addiction to being an addiction, you know, a, a coach, a recovery right. coach. And I've, I've known several, and it's remarkable because they come from a vantage point. I mean, I can preach to somebody about, hey, don't use drugs, right. they're bad for you, You're this right. could happen, that could happen, but I don't know that personally. This is someone who's lived it, the horrors of it, all the way into the criminal justice system, got out, got clean, 
uh, and, and is now helping others do the same. That's got to be very powerful coming it from is, that kind of voice. It is very powerful, especially when someone can come to her for treatment, and we've talked about this, and they can say, I've done all these horrible things, and Chelsea can look at them and say, I've done them too, and I was able to recover. Uh, it's the fact that she can speak their language uh, really makes her a very effective counselor. So a lot of people think of you as a pioneer and really an innovator in this. What do you tell other states, other counties you go to to speak to? This is a chance to give people their lives back. This is a chance to give parents their children back, children their mothers and fathers back. Um, it's not perfect. I mean, I don't bat a thousand. I mean, there's people who come through uh, drug court that don't succeed. We actually had our first overdose victim in a, as an active drug court participant last year, uh, and which I hit hard. Um, but, you know, this is an opportunity to actually help the community grow back better, and I think that's what's important. Yeah. What else do we need to be doing in the state, aside from drug courts and family uh, treatment courts? to attack the epidemic. It still was this, and as we saw during COVID, it spiked again. Overdoses are way up. Suicides, deaths are way up. It's, it's just awful. They say the opposite of addiction is connections uh, and people being able to build relationships with other people. Um, we are doing a very good job in this state, much better than it was 10 to 15 years ago when I started is actually having recovery programs available to people. People are starting to recognize this as a disease, uh, not as a social failing. Um, I do think that there's still some stigma attached to addiction, and we need to realize that it attacks every single family in this state. I've tell people, if you don't think your family's been affected by addiction, you just don't know your family very well. Yeah. The, the old days, it used to be enforcement tough law enforcement, and that was really the, the thing. Now we, we hear people about the three-legged bar stool. It's got to be tough law enforcement, yes. we've got to have prevention programs in our schools, and then we have to have treatment programs for people that do get addicted. Is that the balancing act? Is that the mix? I think that is the mix. I mean, there's different types of people who are involved in the criminal justice system related to addiction. There's people who are doing this for profit, and those people do need to be prosecuted hard. Uh, likewise, there are people who are basically suffer from a disease called addiction, and we need to reach out and help them. And finally, and this is what I think is most important, we've got to prevent the next generation from becoming addicted. This is a fascinating thing, and the other ounce, uh, thing I would throw in their ingredient is mm -hmm. compassion. It's important for us to have compassion as a society and help folks out because uh, this affects all of us. You, I care for people. I mean, if that's a moral failing, then that's something yeah. wrong with our uh, community. I do care for people who come before me. All right, it's a fascinating discussion. Mm -hmm. We want to have you back once you Sorry. are uh, in the chair as U.S. Attorney. <laughs> You're working right across the street from us exactly. here. Judge Will Thompson, a pleasure to see you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for sharing your story. We'll have more of Inside West Virginia Politics after this break. Don't go away. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And we welcome you back to Inside West Virginia Politics this weekend. This is going to be a fun couple of segments. Let me introduce our guests. In the middle, Delegate Kayla Young, Democrat, Kanawha County. To her right, Delegate Josh Higginbotham, Republican of Putnam County. Good to see you guys. Yeah, good to be here. People always you know, think that the Republicans and Democrats don't get along in the state well, and you guys get along well. We've been having a fun conversation before we started taping. The reason you are here is because the two of you are launching a bipartisan legislative podcast. Why? Josh, go first. Sure. So we have decided to partner with Mountaineer Media. Uh, they've been around for a little over a year, and uh, this is the second show with their company called Two Sides of the Same Mountain. 
Uh, we felt that it's best that uh, you know Republicans and Democrats begin to actually talk about the issues. And even though Kayla and I have a lot of disagreements on policy, uh, we get along and we just want to have conversations with uh, different people about policy. What do you hope, you know, first of all, I, I should mention this as a reporter covering six se sessions of the legislature now. This is one of the most collegial legislatures I've ever worked in. People get along. I mean, sure there's sparring and sure there's some, you know, really knockdown, drag out fights, but generally speaking, both sides of the aisle get along real well. So what's your goal with this? We do. Our goal is to, to like Josh said, talk about the issues and show that we do get along as people and we like to talk about things. We're not going to get to a point of understanding unless we can have that conversation, right? Just people shouting at each other is never going to accomplish anything. Yeah, I was wondering if this is going to turn into the old crossfire, that show on CNN <laughs> where the hosts and the guests would just have a, a half-hour shouting match. It was like <laughs> pro-wrestling for politics. <laughs> no, it, you know, I think that a lot of policy discussion gets drowned out by the 30-second sound bites and by the headlines. And we want to do these deep dives in, into policy, whether it's a bill or, or something that's happening in the bureaucracy or current events. Um, I, I think that if we just show what goes on behind the scenes, uh, I mean, it's not just a green or, or red vote when we, we do these things. It, there are conversations, there are hours and sometimes days of debate uh, and, and thought that goes into this stuff, and, and we would like to, to showcase some of that. Well, we're gonna, we talk about the tease in television. We're going to tease the first podcast. You guys are going to have Shelley Moore Capito, Republican, Joe Manchin, Democrat, U.S. Senators. Um, you talk about a bipartisan effort. If, if it weren't for our two U.S. Senators, I don't think this infrastructure bill would have passed in the U.S. Senate. They, they played critical roles. This should be a fascinating discussion to have them both on. Yeah, we're excited to talk about the infrastructure bill, the reconciliation package, what's coming. We're really excited about the political education that we're all going to be able to bring to, mm -hmm. to listeners. Yeah, let's talk about some of the differences because we, we see this right now as they're debating the budget and the, uh, the, the supplemental bills that are tied into the infrastructure bill, the so-called social infrastructure. Maybe this is an area where you two disagree. $3.5 trillion, a lot of things like childcare, pre-K, mm -hmm. Uh, adult home health care. Gen generally speaking, Democrats support this. It passed the House. Republicans oppose it. Where are you guys? I mean, Republicans want traditional infrastructure, roads, bridges, and highways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know where Josh, we actually haven't talked about this, so I don't know where Josh is at on it, but I'm in full support of the human infrastructure. I think something like child care and paid leave is another thing that gets you to work. It's, you know, you need the roads and bridges, but you also need to know that your kids are taken care of to make sure you can go to work. So for me, it's really important. Your thoughts? I think that the priority should be the solid infrastructure, uh, but I do support uh, paid family leave uh, just generally, uh, and uh, especially for working women. I think that that uh, uh, we need to, to take care of them, but probably would be better in a separate bill. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating when we have West Virginians or West Virginia issues that make national headlines because I get calls from reporters all over the country. They said, why are you two, why are your two senators, Democrat and Republican, playing such a key role in this? And I, I said, have you ever driven on West Virginia roads and highways <laughs> and our bridges? Yeah. So. Yeah. And West Virginia's definitely been in the spotlight all summer long. Since I mean, I guess since January when, when the Dems took control of the Senate, Manchin's been kind of mm -hmm. the, the key guy on everything. So we're excited to have both him and Senator Capito on the show. Yeah, because he's been a critical vote on I don't know how many different issues. He's oh, yeah. the swing vote. He's, a, lot, a lot of people refer to him as co-president Biden <laughs> or co-president Manchin because of the power he wields in Washington, D.C. This is a fascinating discussion. We're going to come back with Josh Higginbotham.
Gotham and Kayla Young after this break. Stay with us on Inside West Virginia Politics. Inside West Virginia Politics is brought to you by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. And welcome back this weekend to Inside West Virginia Politics. We're having a uh, bipartisan talk fest here with the Delegate Kayla Young, Democrat of Kanawha County, Delegate Josh Higginbotham, Republican of Putnam County, who are launching a podcast. By the way, what, does this podcast have a name? Yeah, Two Sides of the Same Mountain. Two Sides of the Same Mountain. It's a great idea mm -hmm. since we're in the mountain state. Um, so we've talked about Joe Manchin and Shelley Moore Capito being on. What are some of the other podcasts you're planning going to focus in on, Kayla? So we're going to talk about a lot of different issues. We're going to do a little, like Josh said, behind the scenes of telling people how it really works at the Capitol. So I know something I'm really focused on right now is redistricting. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, Josh is on the Education Committee. I'm sure we'll get into some education issues. There's a lot to cover. I know there's a lot that goes on, uh, uh, you know, under the Capitol Dome, and you're right. But uh, I usually, when I'm at the Capitol during session, I get 90 seconds to tell my yeah. story, and so sometimes I'm summing up eight hours of debate in a committee or on the floor in 90 seconds, and it's hard to get that all in there. So if you guys have right. a podcast that might be 30, 40 minutes long, um, that's going to be fascinating. Well, and we don't want to have the traditional spin that I think both parties are guilty of. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we all agree that, that um, there's always going to be a bit of a bias uh, when it comes to partisan politics. Uh, but if we just have that conversation, uh, it, it, it's going to be a long conversation. Uh, and, and I'm going to focus on energy policy, on education. Uh, we've gotten a lot of requests for people to come in and uh, talk about their issues. And, you know, we'll, we'll try to accommodate it the best we can without a spin. What issues do you want to focus in on mostly? Um, same. Energy is incredibly important to me, especially renewable energy in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Josh and I both serve on energy together, um, so that's something that's really important for both of us. I care a lot about small business, women's issues. It's everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have to know a lot. You know, it's fascinating because I always said when social media really kind of hit its its peak and, and really took off, a, to borrow a phrase from Jim Justice, like a rocket ship, uh, back in you know 2008, especially with that election, I said you got to go where people are having a conversation, mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily having it on the pages of the newspapers anymore or traditional media like television, radio. You got to be on Facebook and Twitter, and by extension, now podcasts have turned into the same thing. I mean, they're mm -hmm. very popular. This show is a podcast. Yeah. And, and people can tune it in in their cars or driving to work. So um, is that what you're trying to reach is, is people that may not necessarily tune into a 30-minute TV show and they're going to, in their car, they can find you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's my goal here. But I think uh, beyond that, it, it's about building bridges, going back to infrastructure. It's about building bridges between uh, people with, with policy disagreements. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not just educational, but I think it'll uh, end up uh, helping uh, longevity uh, with the government. How much of this is a generational thing? I'm not going to ask either of you your ages. I'm gathering that you're both in your 20s. Uh, I'm Thank you. <laughs> I, am way, I am way north of that. I've got children uh, your ages. Um, but how much is this a generational thing? And reaching out to a group of people that is kind of, in a lot of regards, tuned out by politics. I don't know if people are tuned out by politics. I will say we're both millennials, um, and we have grown up in a world where the news circle is a lot faster than it once was. So, I mean, with Twitter especially, it's constant. Um, this, we, we, we do hope to reach a lot of younger people, and we are two of the youngest members of the legislature, so we're hoping mm -hmm. we could do that. 
Is there an issue you guys are really far apart on? Didn't you introduce the bill with the um, uh, the funding, the educational savings accounts, right? You got that through? Yes. And you're very passionate about that? I assume <laughs> that you, maybe you're not so much. I think I got up and spoke against you that did. one. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I have specific questions. I like, uh, we're both big policy nerds, and so we like to get deep in the weeds on issues. I, I think staff of the Capitol were uh, kind of uh, annoyed and frustrated by the two of us. I don't think there were any more uh, people who sponsored more bills than Kayla and myself. So probably around 150 between the two of us, if not more. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, at least. I you got some really sponsored. unique past too, didn't you? Yeah, I my first session I got several bills passed. And I mean, it's like when we weren't in session, Josh and I would sit in our offices together and talk about issues. It's, yeah, so we're just excited to bring that to everybody else. It's real quick, uh, we're going through redistricting, as you mentioned, are you both planning on running again, despite where your district boundaries may lie? Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not against each other. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> You're kind of far <laughs> apart, but you never know. Listen, we want to thank uh, Delegate. Again, tell me the name of the podcast and approximately when it'll be out. Uh, probably sometime in mid-September. And the name of the podcast is Two Sides of the Same Mountain, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, other, other outlets. And this show is a podcast, too. We want to thank uh, Kayla Young and Josh Hagenbotham, opposite sides of the aisle in the state legislature, but two young people who are very passionate about the Mountain State. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll check in again as this podcast launches. Uh, we want to thank you for watching Inside West Virginia Politics. We'll see you back here next week. And check out our podcast, too. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Inside West Virginia Politics. You can hear more from state, local, and federal lawmakers each and every Sunday morning on WOWK-TV in Charleston, WBOY-TV in Clarksburg, WDVM in the Eastern Panhandle, WTRF in Wheeling, and WVNS in Beckley. You can also find a new episode of the Inside West Virginia Politics podcast right here on this feed every Monday morning. If you like the show, make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Inside West Virginia Politics is a Nexstar Media Group production hosted and managed by Mark Curtis. Inside West Virginia Politics is recorded and edited inside the studios of WOWK-TV in Charleston, West Virginia. All rights reserved.